Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Outer Banks, Season 3, Episode 3, Fathers and Sons, and the fourth episode, The Diary, are over. But we are just getting started over here on Post Show Recaps. I'm Mary Kwiatkowski, here with Sarah Carradine, who I think I could trust to at least roll up the window when there are important documents stashed inside the car. Mary, I know where you live, and I have friends everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> okay. Yes. Please don't come after me. There's there's been too much of that. Uh, not even no not God. even not even in your dreams. But yes, I promise I will roll up the window, uh, preserving the very important ancient artifact inside the VW van, <laughs> which, as we're going to find out, has not it suffered at all from sitting for six weeks in a swampy impound lot. No, no, doesn't of even need not. petrol. <laughs> yeah, and and this is this is why, of course, you should always copy everything in triplicate. Come on, everybody, don't don't just make one copy of the historic artifact. <laughs> everybody gets a copy. Yes, we are recapping Outer Banks season three with full spoilers. We're doing two episodes at a time. We already covered episode one and two, so if for some reason you're seeing this first. Go back and check out episode one and two, and then come join us for each of the next two episodes. Obviously, you can subscribe to the feed so you don't miss a minute of our coverage, postshowrecaps.com slash binge. And if you have a moment to rate and review, it makes a huge difference over there. All right. Well, <laughs> these two episodes were, I'm not going to say a, a, a downslide, but they were they were not quite as exciting as the first two, I think. I think the first two we, we talked about, it was go, 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 very little time for rest, all adrenaline. And uh, these two, th- there was there was action, but it uh, it feels like more like one sort of big episode. Yeah, it's a lot of chess pieces. We've got to get everybody from wherever they are back to the Outer Banks. 
Uh, so we are told how each of them gets there, which is fine. I'm I'm very happy to to go with them, but there's a lot of people moving about from place to place and how they actually get there. Uh, so yeah, I was happy to to sit and watch these a little bit of place setting. Um, and, but I'm hoping for a slight uptick in the running around and crashing things that we come, we've come used to in the next two. We shall have to see. Yes. I, you know, I think the show is not called Barbados and Guadeloupe for a reason. We have to get yes. back to the Outer Banks. And we're, we're so. just stopping at St. Kitts. <laughs> right, right. Um, and I, I did like the, the the trekking around in the boats. And I do appreciate the show uh, making sure that we, we know, like, at different times, we need to get clothes. We need to get food. Um, I don't think we mentioned it last time, but one of my favorite lines was when they were running away from Jimmy's house saying, we took some of your clothes. <laughs> and they just <laughs> run off with bags of clothes. Like, I appreciate that. You've been living on a deserted island for a month. Um, surprised your clothing is is that intact uh, to begin with. But um, yeah, it, this as we left off from the episode two, John B. heard the bells and was running up to the uh, church on the hill. And uh, we had a little bit of a suspenseful cliffhanger. Is he going to go inside? Is anyone else going to be there? You were worried that it was going to be the trope of Big John just leaving yes. just before John B arrived and they almost they almost did it. They faked us out, but no, no, of course not. I, I'm actually surprised that we didn't get another trope, which is the he gets there, he sees his dad, but then he sees his dad talking to Carla Limbry and is like, What's going on? Maybe my dad's not who he, you know, who I thought he was. Maybe I should no. Happy pretty quick reunion first couple minutes we get the the johns back together and uh it's it it divulges pretty quickly in these two episodes of uh maybe now john b realizes his father was not quite who he sort of stacked him up to be i think you know the the first two seasons of having this this lost father clearly a, a great figure in John B's life, but was obsessed with this treasure hunt. And now we see it's obsession to the point of carelessness and um, endangering himself, his son, asking his son to do crimes in the name of treasure hunting, that sort of thing. Uh, so I guess, was it a letdown for you to see, to see who big John really is or... Oh, no, I really liked it because he'd been set up as this perfect father. I mean, we have imperfect fathers, Ward Cameron, very imperfect father, uh, JJ's father, a very imperfect father. Uh, and then we have Kiara and Pope's fathers and mothers, uh, you know, good solid citizens, um, but not not necessarily adored in the same way that uh, John B adores his father. He does say we solved the mother, we solved the mother situation in a quick voiceover. My mother left when I was three, so she's still alive, yeah, presumably. But I really like season four fodder. <laughs> yes, well, there, yeah, yeah. My heart did sink a little bit. I thought, oh, don't bring her back for a season four because we want it done. But no, I liked, I liked Big John being a real person. And I like the the markers of addiction that they've given him in terms of this treasure hunt, you know, this sort of uh, almost ruthlessness, a blinkeredness. Yes, he loves his son, but there's a 
detachment from people around him because of this treasure hunt. I mean, he's about to, to make a pit stop to to see the man that saved his life uh, and he doesn't deal with him in a very good way. So almost straight away we, we start to see the scales falling off John B's eyes as far as his, his father goes. And I like that. And that's, that's also part of the theme of the growing up, the theme of these teenagers stepping into their real selves. And one of the things that you have to do as a teen becoming a young adult is, you know, kill your parents, or divorce your parents, <laughs> you know, step away from uh, seeing them through to children's eyes and see them as uh, another adult. So I really, I really, really liked that. I think it's interesting, especially when you compare John B's relationship to Big John to the other father and son pairs in the show, which is the title of the episode, because you have someone like Rafe, who's just so dedicated to wanting his father's approval. And it doesn't seem like John B really wants his father's approval. Instead, John B is able to look at his father and see the areas where he would act differently. I think when we get to the scene in the antique shop, if that was John B and someone who had saved his life and that he, you know, or one of his friends, he would have gone back for them. I mean, we saw we saw Kiara go back and save Jimmy on the boat even though she probably shouldn't have and didn't didn't turn out so great for her. So um, I think just the 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 way that having a support system of friends, even if it's the chaotic pogues around mm-hmm. you, has given John B. this like stick together all for one kind of attitude that seems like Big John doesn't quite have. He's more of a yeah, he's he's obsessed with the treasure hunt. I I tweeted out that this show is is like national treasure in bathing yes. suits. Um yes. and I, I just kept thinking of the scene in the first national treasure movie where uh <laughs> where um the oh my gosh, I can't remember any of the characters' names, but you know, where the main character is is uh goes to his father's house and brings the the girl and his father is yelling at him about you you, you know, I was obsessed with this, my father was obsessed with this, now you're obsessed with this treasure hunt. It, it can't end well. And I think Big John is just in too deep where he's, uh, he's, he's like, well, we've, we've already risked all of this. Let's, let's just keep risking it. And I think if it was me, I would think, you know what, after like one or two close saves with the death, maybe just, maybe just go home and, and get a day job. Yeah. Yes. It's the sunk cost fallacy. You know, yeah. we have we have come thus far and we cannot go back. But in fact it is it it, it might be time to step step away. But but let's see. We're we're just at the beginning of, of the of the adventure, but I I suspect that we're going to see more of Big John, you know, being a, a mere mortal with feet of clay in, in John B's eyes. Uh, Let me ask rather you this, than the up up top. Do you think by the end of this season that Big John is going to die? That's a really interesting question. I hadn't asked myself that question. Whether in pursuit of the treasure or to save John B.'s life in some pivotal way. as a sort of redemptive Mm -hmm. moment. Uh, Yes, as you say, he does not go back for the man who saved his life here at the antiquities shop. I think that's intriguing and I like it. It's very satisfying narratively and it is, you know, the final step for John B to step into his adulthood is to would be to lose his father and depending on what happens with 
this treasure hunt and how far John, uh, Big John's prepared to go, it might be that, you know, it's a shorthand for the only way that he can redeem himself, and especially if it was uh, saving John B. So, oh, I think that's intriguing. Mark that down as a prediction. I Yeah, I agree. I think that it might happen, and um, I think generally if, if someone – if, if you think someone is dead and they come back to life, it's usually not for a just complete happy ending where everybody ends up t- together. Yeah. Yes. The end. So we'll yeah. see. Speaking so, of people who've been dead. <laughs> right. Speaking of other fathers and sons, uh, over in Guadalupe, uh, Ward does wake up. He uh, gets out of his coma and Rose and Wheezy are there. Um, Rafe is not because, as we know, Rafe is still stuck in Barbados after he got pushed off his boat. Um, but the others are there. And, uh, yeah, so I, I guess that that first question we had um, in the previous episode, Ward is not is not getting completely written out of the show, at least yet. He uh, appears, appears to be coming back. So uh, definitely not as big of a character so far in these first four episodes as he was in the previous seasons. but. Um, Glad to see that he'll at least be still a, a presence. Yes, and in the in this moving of everybody except you know the Camerons to the Outer Banks, I wonder if that's whether it's going to be phone calls from Ward and uh, and maybe is this the only glimpse of Wheezy who I remember us liking very much in the first two seasons, the younger sister who had a lot of gumption. Um, I hope this isn't all that we see of her, but it might be that that Ward. Uh, because they think he's dead back in the Outer Banks, maybe Ward stays uh, here on Guadeloupe and we we receive him, you know, via phone calls to uh, Rafe and, you know, perhaps um, Sarah, depending on what happens. I'm just not sure how he fits, like what's his current motivation. Uh, I mean, he's only just woken up from his coma of convenience, so I suppose we should give him a chance to come up with a scheme. Did we ever find out what Wheezy's real name is? I can't. Well, be it has real to. Name. It has to be Louise. Oh, okay. That there you go. I I had never thought about that. Oh yeah, <laughs> it was just I, like, I th- what's a what's a W <laughs> girl's name? Okay. I, I am. I imagine it's Louise. Oh. Okay, there you go. And um, but but you know, there's so many people in the show. Like, is Topper <laughs> his real name? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's uh, T O P H E R. Well, that's Topher. Well, it is, but maybe it's not. I just assumed. I mean, in my notes, I write at topper because it's easier than putting the H in. But I don't know when I when I use a I'm a closed caption gal, and it usually just says T O P P E R. Oh, okay. So I don't know. There you go. All right. But um, it could be it could be a nickname for for Topher or something like that. I'm not sure. Yes. Um, and maybe and I he's a think... top. Who knows? <laughs> probably probably uh and although well i don't know these uh these next few episodes haven't necessarily shown that um and and i don't know also if we know what where uh the the mrs cameron was did she die did she was she just out of the picture it's an interesting idea for the show to want to have the rose character and not just and not just their mother it's almost like they feel like well, having having a mother who is going to be privy to the the actions that Rafe and and Ward have taken against Sarah would be a little hard to probably write into the show. So they need they need another person there who's a partner to Ward, but not going to have that same parental feeling towards Sarah. 
Yes, I mean, I like the selection of her. Her age is is interesting because she's sort of between Sarah and Ward's age, and we imagine. I mean, Gold Digger is 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 rude. She may have come with her own money for all we know, but she certainly is in on all the the schemes. I don't know if we know where their mother is. There's a, there's a bit of convenient writing out of of parents either either or both for for some of these characters, which is a real trope back from. I mean, I think of the adventure stories from the 40s and 50s that I read in my childhood, in the 60s and 70s and early 70s. And the first thing you do is you get rid of the parents. Oh yeah, you know, send them on a trip or they die or something and you have to go and stay with a, an uncle you've never met before or you're left to your own devices. And with this sort of overarching theme of, of the Pogues running all over the Outer Banks um, and with, with a carefree sort of barefoot, unwashed lifestyle, uh, parents are only going to be <laughs> interferences, I think, uh, and certainly Josh and Jonas Pate, the the creators, along with Shannon Burke, they talk about their their childhood there being, minus the adventure and all the killings one, one assumes, uh, being one of this very sort of loose, uh, running all day, uh, surfing, swimming, boating lifestyle that they wanted to, to recreate. And I just, I really love it. It rings so true. And we said this about seasons one and two, and I'm struck again of how in a heightened teenage love teenage hormone fueled story with the addition of sort of big bads in the adult world and the addition of these mysterious treasures and hunting and all of that it's it's wonderful how well it rings true certainly to me uh watching them and as you say they don't just suddenly have new, new clothes they have come from somewhere uh you know they steal them from jimmy or they're all about to go home and get new clothes except for all JJ. It's it's interesting when I compare this to other sort of teen drama adventure or, or murder mystery um, teen shows. And some things that really work for Outer Banks are that it somehow feels realistic while also being fantastical. Like most people, like you're saying, are not going to be skipping school and having all these near-death experiences um, and, and dealing with with <laughs> gold and, and mythical treasure. Um, but they are, since it's filmed, maybe not in the Outer Banks, but on some location, you're able to get the realism of the atmosphere, like we said, the clothing, the, the need, the discussion of need for food. Um, the first thing I ever noticed watching season one was the fact that the they don't shy away from the characters being dirty and gross and sweaty and tired and hungry and, and that sort of thing, which I appreciate. It's sort of like this hybrid of watching, you know, Survivor and watching mm -hmm. a, a scripted show. Um, and then on top of that, the fact that it is a, a 10 episode series allows them to have much more concise plots that don't create uh, in teen dramas. You can run into this problem of, okay, the the bad guy, the big bad, it needs to be an adult because otherwise it's not serious enough. But then why is an adult dealing with children? Why is the adult so uh, afraid or, you know, how are these meddling kids really stacking up? And how is, you know, you, you have to have this idea of at, at some point they need to be taken down. And so it can't just be 
22 episodes for seven seasons fighting against the same bad guy. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that's all things that work well for, for Outer Banks here. But um, yes. anyway. And that's, that's certainly there were two teenage uh, bads. Uh, Topper redeemed himself. But Rafe continues to be a little bad and a very unpleasant fellow. <laughs> uh, yeah. Another thing I have is in movies and TV shows, I always feel so bad for the like side characters who just get swindled by the plot. Like, so Rafe is going to to target this this uh, American tourist and mug him, <laughs> and that makes me feel so bad. And then later on with the um, the shopkeeper in Saint Kitts, I'm like, no, I feel so bad for these <laughs> these just people minding their own business. <laughs> they did they didn't know they were in the middle of a big budget Netflix series. Uh, they they oh were no. just going about their they're going about their business. Yes, Rafe has to mug him to get his straw hat. And his wallet, so he can get the ferry to. Why did he need to Guadalupe. take the hat? <laughs> <laughs> or to disguise his face, I suppose. But there is a ferry because when I looked up for for our last uh, episode, when I looked up the distance from Guadeloupe to Barbados and found it was four hundred and four uh, kilometers, it also gave me the ferry timetable. So that is the actual ferry. I was, I was wow. like, oh, research. There we go. Uh, that. So that's how that's how he got back where where he was going. Um, it's it's good that you caught that was a ferry. I thought for a second it was a cruise ship, and I was thinking, now there's no way that whatever was in that one wallet it was enough identification to get on a cruise ship. Yeah, <laughs> but a ferry makes way more sense. Yeah, I I thought it was a cruise ship at first, and then I thought, oh, that's right. Yes, of course, it's the um, it's the ferry that my very brief research, you know, turned up. Um, the the Pokes have set off to sea again in a boat where you think. I think we said this about the first two seasons and then we realised you can, it's a straight shot, you can actually do it in a, it doesn't have to be a substantial boat to get from Barbados to where they're going. Um, what did you think of Kiara and JJ getting a little bit steamy and Pope seeing it and being a bit sad? Because I thought we were done with the Pope-Kiara liaison and they have had a month on an island, so I just I wasn't yeah. sure. I thought we were also done with the Pope thing. I thought at the very least, you know, that was something we were going to move on from. But at this point, um, early on in season one, there was a a rule, no, no Pogue on Pogue action. And uh, Mm -hmm. Kiara has now had at least some sort of action with every Pogue male. So... (laughs) good for her yes <laughs> um yeah they're really they're really not uh not paying attention to that one rule um i i feel bad for pope but i also i find him to be a difficult character to really identify with because i'm i'm much more on cleo's side with all her arguments about you know pope you you think you have this very difficult life uh i you know this show is sort of a representation of of various extreme different levels of privilege right and there's obviously people like people like ward and the camerons and topper and the other kooks who who have you know amassed a certain level of wealth um that it's going to be way more difficult to sympathize with someone like rafe when he says he's a victim when Mm. excuse me look what you have um and then you compare that to people like john b who had a roof over his head, at least some parental, you know, guardianship for a while, um, some some level of right or wrong. Um, you know, Pope, who's got all, also had a job and, and two parents and, and a house uh, and then down to JJ and then down uh, to 
Cleo, who's been living presumably, you know, more or less on her own, more or less homeless for most of her life. And when she hears that Pope has a family and a house and a bedroom and a scholarship, she's like, what in the world are you chasing gold for? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so, exactly. you know, and I know that this is not exactly the same as as his issues with uh, with Kiara and, and love and all of that. But I just I just have a hard time sympathizing with him when he's kind of woe is me when I'm like you've got something you know yeah and I also I I, I suppose I was a little I thought yeah we we actually we had this storyline and we finished this storyline mm-hmm. I think he could see he could observe it and in his observing it and them seeing him observe it then they realize oh yes there was something because they don't actually kiss but they have this little moment so quite like the triangle but then him being sad and her having to talk to him about it and all of that, I thought, oh, I feel like we're going backwards. But unless that was setting up Pope and Cleo, I'm not sure that they are going to swear on a no-love club, including a very special handshake to <laughs> signify. And, you know, despite everything I just said about Pope, I remember when I was a teenager and if one of my friends started making moves on someone that I liked, it would have been gut-wrenching and I would have felt yeah. massively betrayed by all parties, even if – even if I knew that I wasn't going to be with that person, uh, it it still still would have felt hard. So I, I get yeah. the I get the feeling, you know, you gotta have gotta have moody teenagers. We moody teenagers are gonna right. moody teenage. <laughs> Uh, so I very much hope that Kiara and JJ are not related uh, if they're going to go. <laughs> I don't think they are. Yes, I don't think they are uh, because, uh, yeah, I yeah, I, I feel they are going to go down this this uh, this alleyway as we suspected mm, that they might. Yep. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, so so Rafe does pretty easily make it back to uh, towards bedside, and and they have a, a quick chat where where Ward wants to send Rafe back to the Outer Banks. You know, we we can't just have the Pogues go back to Outer Banks. We need to have everybody go back at the same time. Um, and he wants uh, everything to sort of be wrapped up with with his uh, affairs to to sell the business, sell the rental properties, and sell their house in Tanny Hill, uh, which Rafe is not not really on board with, but you know, still wants to uh, appease his father and and show that he can handle some things. Um, now, what do you feel about the logistics of ward has died yes but for the last month his house is like everybody escaped where where has where has the world thought that rafe and rose and and wheezy were for the last for the last month um well i'm a little confused on these details yeah potentially on guadalupe i mean they know that they have um a house there and part of the planning of uh, their nefarious plans with Sarah and Gold and the Cross might have been to say, oh, because Ward has died, we're going to go into, I'm making this up now, a bit of fan fiction, but, you know, that we're going to go to our house um, on Guadalupe. So that's where they may think that they've been. They would have uh, some employees who would keep the house going and presumably, you know, Ward's uh, you know, estate has passed to Rose? Question mark. Rafe? Question mark. Rafe may have a power of attorney. I, I'm. I don't need to be have every step of the way with them, but I wonder if once they get back onto the outer banks, we're going to uh, once Rafe gets back onto the outer banks and starts uh, these business dealings, whether we're going to get a little bit 
more on that or whether it's just one of those things that you just have to kind of jump onto the jet ski and, and hang on for dear life and, and not ask too many questions. What, what What's your thoughts there? Where do you think they think they are? Yeah, that's, that's a good, good idea. Good premise. Um, I couldn't remember if from the previous season, if there was any sort of um, announcement of, of Rose telling the public that where they were going or that they were leaving. I, I can't remember. Um, but it's an interesting thought of, the complications that Ward might face with uh, faking his own death and then realizing that, you know, um, legally and economically, he doesn't necessarily, he can't both be dead and have power over his money unless he's doing a lot of complicated creating a new identity and transferring funds and all that, which you could do. But if things are sort of following through the normal procedures, Rose or, or more likely Rafe and potentially even Sarah probably own everything he, he had legally if he was actually dead. So yeah, I think that that's been Because we know he's disgraced. So... Yeah, because you inherit people's debts as well. Oh, do you in a, in the US? Do you inherit people's debts? Oh, uh, I think I'm not an expert on that, but I think to some extent you probably mm. do. Um, mm. I think it sort of depends if you're you can't just take their assets and not their debts. So <laughs> I think there's sort of a <laughs> one or the other there. Um, yes, but but yeah, it's it's definitely. I think the the main thing that we should keep an eye out for is how this may come back to bite Ward, or is he going to? resurrect himself somehow um but i believe that he was not, the, the reason he faked his death was because he was a out and out criminal and that he was going suspect, to be taken in suspect in the death of or an accessory to the death of the sheriff i i, I believe so yes mm -hmm. um yes yeah i yes. think there, there was a bit of season two hubbub with the uh the new well, I don't know if they're the the new police chief or, or a deputy of some sort um, who thought that John B was the one who had killed Peterkin, but he he eventually finds out that that's not the case and that it was um, the Camerons. So yes, and I the marvelous scene of 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 Barry, the low down drug dealer uh, right. turned uh, turned police informant, in yes. that scene where he jumps out of the the boat into the um alligator filled water just saying he's got a gun I do remember that and I liked that because I like Barry very much and his he, even though he's you a like drug dealer the, I like the, the worst character well I, I mean like I can't stand terms, Barry <laughs> but in terms of of them being written in a particular way and from my memory, Barry was interesting because he was a drug dealer, but it was all very straightforward and businesslike. He yes. wasn't like creepy. He wasn't like evil for the sake of it. He wasn't cackling maniacally as his henchmen beat people up. It's like, I sell you drugs and you give me money. It's really straightforward. So that, that when I say I liked him, I mean, I liked the way he was written very economically. And so while we were surprised when he turned on Rafe, we could actually see why. Like that was an earned moment. So Yes. Maybe that's another reason I've been liking Rafe a little more this season is that he's at least we're not having to deal with him uh, being uh, high on drugs and also uh, his his uh, built in personality at the same time. I don't think <laughs> yes. those were feeding each other well. No, he he comes with that personality. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, goodness. Goodness. Um, yeah. So anything else? Uh, 
let's see, they they all arrive back in the Outer Banks, um, and uh, <laughs> yes, the Johns, John B and Big John, both go to back to their house, which I'm I'm also pretty surprised has not is not worse for wear. It hasn't uh, been ransacked. There's no one squatting in it. There's no eviction notice. Um, the electricity was turned off, but that's about it. So they still have their property. Maybe it's been paid off. I don't know. Maybe they, <laughs> maybe they don't have a mortgage payment. Um, maybe a and- kindly neighbor has been checking them, walking the perimeter and checking the property. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, but mind uh, you, both of them, both of them are dead as far as everyone no they know that john b is alive because he returned from the dead and went back to school rather spectacularly yes. in season two uh yeah so the johns arrive home and uh big john immediately wants to know where the diary is so this is we start to get this inkling of his uh, obsession yes pr- presumably that um the uh and, and we kind of we sort of skipped over some of the the big plot of the uh, break into the antique store and taking the uh, totem that was there. Um, but but yeah, so presumably on the boat on their trip back to uh, back to the Outer Banks, they've each filled each other in on all of the goings on of, of what their, their treasure hunt plan. John B has probably said, yes, we had the diary. Uh, we had a copy of it at least. And, and the artifact that they have is uh, as big John calls it, the signpost of Orinoco, I think. Um, yes. The MacGuffin of MacGuffin. That's right. Yes. Uh, yeah. It's a, <laughs> it's the, the top half of the, the full signpost. Um, it's sort of a, yeah, a stone, figure and um he thinks that you need to find the other half in order to get directions to find El Dorado so we're full in on El Dorado and of course um Carlos Singh had popped up at the antique store uh with once again it's like if he has this many goons to surround an armed compound when you go and you think that you're have almost caught a person you don't bring all your goons inside. You surround the store first before you go in. Make sure you've checked all the exits. And instead, John B. and Big John are able to escape out the window and um, making now, a huge amount of noise. Yeah, and and do we think that uh, the the man, um, I believe Arjun, who worked at this store, do you believe that he was killed in that action as well? The person who uh, apparently was the yes. one who, who saved uh, Big John. I believe so uh we didn't get enough of him for him to return from the dead i don't think sadly for him he 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 and jimmy uh you know raising a glass in valhalla uh yes and and i can't remember if it's in this episode or the next episode where we get the full backstory of of big john is that the next episode trying to remember we do get we do get them exchanging information on the boat trip, which I thought was a good use of the boat trip. They had time yes. on the boat to to fill each other in. And while we didn't hear each of them tell the other absolutely everything, we now just assume that each knows knows everything about the other. Yeah, and and the piece that I found interesting was that you know last we saw, Big John had washed you know, ashore the, the, the shoals and that later they found a, a skeleton there. Um, but really he was, um, 
sort of kidnapped by Carlos from that, uh, from his spit and was serving as his, uh, like archeologist essentially. Yes. Yes. Um, analyzing the artifacts. And so this is, this is a, a confusing bit that I'm still not a hundred percent sure on that we knew in the first two seasons that not only big John was interested in, uh, this treasure hunt, but had some sort of academic background in tr- treasure hunting, archaeology, ancient history, something in that realm. It's it's so far unclear, I would say. The other thing that is unclear is that Big John escaped from Carlos's place in Vauxhall. Yes. But somehow. why didn't Carlos just go and get him? Right. He's been hiding out with, with Limbury, I understand, but uh, surely Carlos has eyes everywhere. Yeah, there's there's a lot of sort of rewriting that's a little confusing. When, when Limbury shows up at the end of season two, it appears that Big John is only barely hanging on, sitting on a, on a porch, you know, wrapped up and, and um, as if he's just been rescued from the island when it turns out actually he was rescued a while ago worked for carlos for a while and then escapes yes. there so, maybe working for carlos uh, diminishes a man <laughs> maybe maybe so anyway uh but yeah they're they're all back in outer banks and uh got a couple sequences of of nightmares from john b worried that carlos has caught up to them and is attacking his father but when he wakes up alas or not alas but uh Happily, it is Sarah who is the one there waking him. Um, but Big John has disappeared. Dun, dun, dun. And on that note, <laughs> we're going to pop out for a quick second. I think I see a box of Twinkies over in the corner. So I'm going to go snack Ooh. on a few of those. And uh, and then we'll, we'll come back and talk about the next episode. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right. We are back. And I don't know about yum, you, Sarah. Yum, 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 yum. Um, I can only stomach about one Twinkie, Twinkie every few years. They're they're a little rich for my blood, but... Um, mm. They were a little damp. I don't know if... Uh, <laughs> a little damp. Was yours sitting out in the rain? <laughs> I think mine was sitting out in the rain. That's right. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Um, yeah. So the, the previous episode, of course, ends on this slight cliffhanger, but I I wasn't, I wasn't really at all surprised. I I was like, okay, he's probably just gone to go get the diary. Yes. I, it it was a, it was a very odd thing of John B telling Sarah that big John was back and them looking and he's not in the house. And she wonders if he's gone mad because of course, John B a uh, big John is dead. But how else he, would John B have gotten back to the well, outer exactly. I thought it was I thought it was unnecessary because it doesn't go anywhere because Big John arrives. So I thought, come on, yeah, come on. They, trying <laughs> to add a little suspense where yes. there probably isn't any. Um because yes. yes, Big John comes back almost immediately with the Twinkie that, like you said, still works. Uh, apparently still had some <laughs> some gas in it. I don't know. Uh, yep, it, it's it's there. It's back. It hasn't completely rusted and fallen apart. Um, so they get that back, and uh, hugs all around. Everything's great. Uh, everybody, a lo- lot of homecomings. Everyone. Yes, I liked this. It wasn't uh, quite a montage because each each moment was given its given its due. But it was there, as we said at the end of season two, when we saw, for example, Kiara's parents putting up the missing persons poster and so on everybody having a, a home coming to the people uh, that have been waiting for them and then ending with JJ finding his house uh, has been, he's been evicted, there's police tape on it and it's in a very sorry, sorry state. And I, I'm trying to remember what state exactly did we leave his father in? Was he, he dead? What was the no, no, he got money for his father put his father in a in a car he and kiara drove his father to the border drove his father somewhere and sort of sent him off uh for a new life please don't ever return okay that's right well that's yes. good at least um then honestly jj should not be surprised that his house is, <laughs> is in the state that it is knowing that no one's been living there um uh pope brings cleo home and uh, I I don't know if it's exactly chivalry because I think Pope's mom is the one who makes him give up his room for Cleo. But... Uh, yeah, yes, I love Pope. <laughs> Pope's mother is is a queen, and uh, she would have been very strict about. Yes, she gets the bedroom. I, I I love Pope's family. Pope's dad is my favorite character on the entire show. Um, what I also love about his family is that. Unlike the first season, Pope has clued his family into everything that's going on. He's told them about the cross. They know it. They know about their inheritance and their ancestry. And so while they, of course, would prefer probably Pope to go to school, have not left, have his scholarship and all that, um, I I think that at least 
it's not like they're just Pope is constantly lying to them. He's, he's told them what's going on. And I think that helps, um, sort of similarly in Kiara's household, her parents, uh, especially her mother, you know, I think was just so desperate to get her back that she is a bit more willing to give Kiara a little bit of a, a, a longer leash, um, since since the short one clearly wasn't what what kept yes. her around so yes exactly um, exactly you know. and and i uh, kind of go back and forth because her father on the other hand is like no she's a child she's living under our roof <laughs> you know we need to we need to make sure that she's doing the right thing it's uh, it's it's interesting uh, and i hadn't really put that together but i guess i do like that pope has filled his family in on uh, there's the you know introduction of Cleo. We get a little of her story. She's never had a room of her own. Uh, so again, she's probably wondering what on earth are you? Do you have to complain about? No. Uh, and and we are about to get sort of more class stuff when Kiara goes to visit JJ. Kiara, of course, is a kook who wants to be a pogue. Uh, so above JJ and Cleo looks at Pope's family and thinks that he's rich beyond measure not just in money not even in money but in the in the family unit right. and the love that she the love that she sees there and I really like seeing that through her her sort of very frank eyes uh she's seen a lot and this is this is a joy to her to be in this family but to be you know uh introduced to this family yeah Pope's family should just adopt her and um yes I, I think that would be great yes um, I agree <laughs> and and yeah we have we have some um uh Sarah's also going to go back to her house um which I, I again appreciate the <laughs> going to get supplies although I I really can't look past look I understand they're supposed to be teenagers and all of that but I can't look past the fact that even when these teenagers wake up assuming that they're going to be doing you know, heists or running around or, you know, running from people committing crimes, they're still in their shortest of shorts and barely held together shirts. And I'm like, flip flops, put some substantial clothes on, <laughs> put some, I want, I want laced tennis shoes. I want like layers, bring a jacket. What if you get stranded on an island again? <laughs> like get <Yeah>. cold. <laughs> like I just want them all with a backpack at all times, full of the essentials: flashlights, batteries, food, matches, Bi vitamins, chewable vitamins. Yes. 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 Uh, Sarah is is putting together a bag of of things. Probably uh, cute outfits and cute outfits. Sunglasses. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, but she does she does linger over her her costume jewelry box and I and I was saying Sarah you do not need any of that but she was selecting a nice bead or two to go to go into her bag to go with her cute outfits. Uh, yeah, yep. Um, oh well. Uh, meanwhile, while all that's happening, Big John does does bring the car home. Um, he's upset about the diary, even though it, at least it's not the actual artifact that has been ruined, just the paper copy. Um, and this is why you should also put things in, uh, you should laminate, you should put them in binders, you know, <laughs> that, would, that would help. Maybe have a nice filing folder with you <laughs> that you take your important documents. Um, but they, uh, I'm imagining you on the run in your sensible <laughs> laced up shoes with a, with a backpack full of, uh, of the documents filed in a, in an accordion folder. 
I am too practical for adventures. So mm-hmm. <laughs> that's okay. Um, but but we actually saw this, I think, back in episode one or two. We see the uh, Carlos Singh reading an article about the local history teacher um, in Kildare who had found this uh, Denmark Tanny's diary. And so um, Big John and... Uh, I keep wanting to call him Bobby John, but he's not John, John, John B. Little John, John B. <laughs> John B. Uh, they they go to the history teacher's house where they had gotten the copy, and they find um, the smugglers who I believe now are these the same people who were on the the shipping boat. Yes. Season two? Okay. And yes, it's they are. Hard to, there's so many smugglers. It's hard to keep track because there were separate people in season one who were looking for the treasure. It's uh, it's complicated. Um, but yeah, they they go and they find these smugglers. Thankfully, the history teacher is still alive and uh, seems only mildly, mildly uh, beaten up. But they they get the uh, they end up um, chasing after the smugglers because the smuggler stole the diary. It was all very close. It's it's amazing how quick everybody is on each other's tails. Yes. Like this could have happened a day before, but no, it happens exactly right when they're going. Carlos has friends everywhere. Uh, they do. We do get a very nice snippet from the smugglers of we we take the diary to Carlos and we never have to worry about uh, you know import duties at the at the the dock anymore. So, I mean, you're smugglers. I don't know how much you were thinking about import duties before, but Carlos would be a very powerful friend, I think. Um. Okay, I'm looking at your notes here, and I can't mm-hmm. help but notice a particular phrase you used that I have not heard in this. Um, are you referring to the jet ski? I am referring <laughs> to the jet ski. Okay. Um, the, this podcast is... douche canoe. I, I was going to say this podcast is rated clean. I don't know if you can say that. Yes. I'm sure it's fine. I'm sure it's yes. fine. Um, I have not personally uh, heard... I've only heard that used as an insult and not as a slang term for <laughs> jet ski, but okay. Now you have. Um, yes. Th- there is a, a quick chase scene um and uh big john and um <laughs> jo- johnny john. b what is his name? It's john b john, john b i gosh i keep wanting to call him bobby john they they want they're trying to just make a deal with the smugglers like we have information you might need we could work together this was going to be this was never going to work mostly just for the plot of the show would be too complicated to include these smugglers in this deal so the smugglers are like yeah let's just pretend but then we'll shoot him the kid in the head um but really quickly big john uh shoots and kills the two the two men and sinks their boat and they get the diary back um and this was really the turning point for at, at the very least little john when he realized oh my father's like a straight up murderer yes and, and, and it doesn't matter how often he says they would have done it to us. Which is true fly. in this case. Well, they, they would have, but yes, it's still. Um, it, it, it's the ruthless practicality with which he shoots them both. One is only wounded. He puts the kill shot in the wounded one, pops them over the side, weighted down with anchors, and then opens up something in the boat so that it will sink. And it's all very practiced somehow there's yes, an air it, about it that i think is is as shocking as the event itself it doesn't feel like the first time he's done something mm-hmm. like this yes. and i think also i don't know how much the show might get into it 
but John B has had a complicated relationship with someone like Ward Cameron, who is clearly ruthless and a murderer in his own rights. And seeing that his own father, who he's held in such high regard, is uh, not evil in the same way, but still willing to go to extreme measures for this quest that he's on. Um, and I and I think, you know, we, we saw a hint of that when he uh, held a gun on his savior and friend at the antique store, didn't go back to save him. Um, all moves that I don't think John B. would have done. And the thing is that he didn't need to kill these men. He could have said, the diary is gone forever. We can stop chasing the treasure. So it's not like a situation of self-defense because he put them in a situation where they were negotiating with ruthless smugglers uh, out in the middle of the water. Um, Somebody was going to get shot. At that point, it's them or us, but you put yourself there, Big John, and and I think this is the beginning of John B's seeing his father as a person rather than this idealised figure. And, and not only that, but it makes you wonder, was John, was Big John using Limbry to find John B because he missed his son and he wanted to make sure his son was okay? Or is it because he knew his son was on to the treasure and needed his help? At, at no point has he said, this adventure is too big. You stay home. I'm I'm going to do this, but I want to protect you. I don't think that John B. would have necessarily listened to that. But instead, it's always been, no, no, son, you're my partner. Come with me. I need your help. Yes. And I'm going to put you in these dangerous scenarios. And that's a little hard to swallow. Yes. Yes. I think that I think that's very insightful and is is another kind of layer or another petal of the of the big John stinking rose of his obsession. As I said before, I use the word addiction almost to this to this treasure hunt. He is so far in he cannot he can't even conceive of of not not continuing. And and John uh, B is a, a piece of the puzzle as much as the um, signpost is, as much as the diary is, as much as any of these sort of artifacts are. Right, exactly. Um, and uh, and then we have a, a different sort of bit of strife between Kiara and JJ as she tries to comfort him. Um, they they almost have a sweet moment. Uh, they almost kiss again. But instead, JJ calls her a kook and um, once again sort of belittles himself uh, in in front of her by, you know, I can understand the idea that he feels like he's, that, that she's too good for him or that um, he's worthless. I, I can understand where he's coming from in those thoughts. But when someone is trying to give their love to you um, or their friendship or their help, don't push them away like it's it's not it's not ever it's not ever going to help anything um <laughs> he wrote he just acts like a teenage boy well yeah. yes mm-hmm. there is that <laughs> mm-hmm. yes i mean it's it's again visually and again using all the all the tools of a of a storyteller kiara is in a very cute 
new outfit, you know, that she has access to new clothes, she's clean, she's come down from uh, the figure eight to see him, you know, smelling of money basically. Last time he saw her, they were sort of filthy together from, from you know, a month or six weeks of running around in danger and closeness and and he is still in the clothes that he was in. He hasn't got new clothes. He hasn't had a shower. So, And, and while she has come home and gone back to her family, I think that it was a good reminder that she said to him, you know, I I was the one who who didn't want to leave. I I just lived in a yes. you know in a cave with you for a month. Like yes. that should show you more who I am than you know what I'm doing now. But yes, and calling her a kook it's like the worst insult that that he can possibly give yes. her. Yes, um, back in in Guadalupe, we've got Ward who uh, now that he has woken up, he's feeling rightfully uh, horrible about him almost killing Sarah over a cross and um so he decides that he wants to uh sell the cross uh sort of sell slash donate the cross to to a, a museum or some other institution in order to atone for his sins which um i can imagine is not going to fly well with rafe yes and it doesn't really fly well with rose until she figures out it'll be a great uh, a tax write-off if they do that so they have ever, so ever practical much gold already like for someone like John, for Big John, who has probably had had nothing and feels like he's, you know, just that that not only is the treasure a great adventure for him, but you know the being the one to discover something and, and having this uh, light at the end of the tunnel, it's it's life changing for someone like Ward who already has money. I mean, he's got a safe full of the gold, the merchant gold. He doesn't need the cross. Like, you know, I think sometimes it's like, what is the amount of money that I would be willing, that I would need in order for, for me to feel like I'm in a in a different, you know, bucket of life, right? Where I, where I wouldn't have to work again, where I wouldn't, whatever. And it's a certain amount. If you then doubled that, it's not like you get double more lifestyle. You've just yes. got more excess money. Yes. And so, you know, unless you're planning on, starting some sort of institution or, or like using that money for something it's not like ward is going to he just has more money what is he going to do buy more houses more boats like it it just kind of seems ridiculous at this point so for him yeah what's what's the gold in the cross going to do for him why yes. does rafe even need this money he does yes and it's an artifact i mean it's not the worth of the gold it's it's an art it's an artifact that belongs in a in a museum and I think Ward certainly comes from, uh, you know, a strata of society that thinks about donating to museums and things being in their proper places. And plus it gives him uh, a feeling of atonement for for how he's treated Sarah. Perhaps this is a lingering effect of the coma of convenience. <laughs> uh, I, I, buy, I completely buy this. And also it's taking something away from Rafe. Right. Right, uh, which is the worst part. And and while Sarah is meanwhile at uh, Tanny Hill at her house packing, she does hear this conversation on the phone. She least hears Rafe's side of it, hears him being upset about it, uh, saying it's mine, this is my thing. Um, I don't know how Rafe has twisted in his mind that he somehow discovered and found the cross. He just hijacked it from some other people who were 
discovering it. Um, but okay. And uh, but Rafe says, you know, that he can trust him on this, and they they get the location. So Sarah overhears the location of when when and where the um the cross is going to arrive on a train. Um I wonder if that's going to have an effect on future episodes. I wonder. I wonder. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, I, I, I more more scenes of Pope and, and Cleo. I just really like Cleo. She's mm. she's a uh, she's everything that she says is fun. You know, we we kind of um, briefly talked about the scene where where she was um, stealing food from the the store. Uh, when they stopped in in uh, St. Kitts, and and that was one of one of my favorite scenes. I mean, I felt so bad for the the store owner, but <laughs> I just love her her wiliness is is great um, because it's you know unlike JJ who who has sticky fingers for just sort of I don't know for fun. It seems like he's just kind of stealing things when he doesn't need it. Uh, she's only stealing when she has to. So yes, yes, she has a, a moral okay. code. We love, oh, we love Cleo so much. Yes, yes. Um, so you, despite what Rafe said on the phone to Ward, he is not okay with the cross being donated. He feels like it's his thing, and um, this is some character development, right? He's not just trying to do what his father wants. He's decided no this is my thing i'm going to uh handle the cross so what do you think of his plan to <laughs> to work with barry again even though they've well, had a tumultuous history the two of them i mean it's smart as he says they're never going to believe that we would work together because you're the one that betrayed me to the cops you yeah. ratted me out see uh and i was very pleased to see barry again uh barry wants 50 percent. let's see what barry actually gets yeah it's if you're going to steal the cross uh get a criminal to help you and and barry's the criminal that rafe knows uh ignoring the fact that he himself of course is a criminal right <laughs> yeah yeah um i don't know i already said i was not happy to see barry back i know we were done with him. i just, know just, he i'm causes so too sorry many problems. i love barry <laughs> <laughs> um yeah but they, they do have a good plan and so uh like you said, I think that's kind of going to be the the main part of next episode or, or the next few is probably going to be dealing with the the cross um, and then who's going to who's going to get the cross. Um, so we'll see. We'll see on that one. Um, and then uh, back at the uh, the chateau, of course, with the Johns, everybody, everybody kind of meets up and talks about what's going on um, in, in, in around around this point. Also, um, Big John has has told John B, maybe we don't need to fill your friends in on everything. Like we're happy to give them money when we've got it. Um, you know, once we get the gold, but this is a dangerous game. Now it's it's not so dangerous that I'm not going to require your help, John yes. B. But <laughs> um, but let's let's just keep your your friends out of it. Now I think this is also uh, plot convenience in a in a multitude of ways. Um, first off, I have been suspicious about the lack of John B and Sarah interaction. Uh, what about you? Yes. I asked last episode that you and I spoke uh, for more Sarah or different Sarah, and we've had virtually nothing of her. Uh, and, again, the plot keeps them all apart as as the Johns are in the Twinkie going to exhume a priest in Charleston, having read a very convenient part of the diary that says 
this this priest in Charleston died on the boat and was buried uh, at the only Catholic church there with his effects. It's a very important thing. So he needs to go and dig him up uh, with his effects. So the Johns are separated from the rest of the Pogues who are making the plan to steal the cross. They briefly wonder where John is, but they're going to go ahead without him. But here's here's where I'm suspicious. Now, I don't know if you uh, follow the teen romances in real life, but <gasps> the the actors who, Spill. who played John B. and Sarah, I believe, were dating for a time during the filming of, at the very least, season two, but broke up before the filming of season three or sometime during them. And so I... While I think that everybody is probably, you know, uh, professionals and and is happy to to work together, I think shows sometimes will separate characters who maybe aren't on the best of terms in real life. Um, and I just can't help but notice the lack of John B. and Sarah togetherness. Now, I think it also serves the plot to, you know, it's always going to add tension if 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 Sarah's upset with, you know, John B. lying to her and leaving her out. And it adds sort of an interesting, um, you know, John B. was Sarah's link to most of the other Pogues. I know that she had a history with Kiara, but how much is, how much are Sarah and JJ really going to talk without John B. there? Exactly. So yes, it's, it's like Elaine and Elaine and George being left to speak, and it's like suddenly, yes. what do what do we talk about? We, we talk, talk about, about Jerry. So <laughs> yeah. yes, oh now that is intriguing. I mean, it also does serve the plot because uh, Big John is separating John B from his friends, not only physically, but also by this interdiction on telling them what's actually going on. And that is one of the rules, apart from no pogue on pogue action, that the pogues uh, never lie to each other and also no pogue left behind. They have quite a few rules. Yes. Uh, but but lying, they're not allowed to do that. Yes, definitely not. Um, despite the fact that John B. and Sarah are at the very least fake married, <laughs> supposedly. Well, uh, John B. tells uh, Big John on the boat trip uh, back to the Outer Banks, I'm married now, he says quite boldly. Yes. Yes, uh, I remember them being fake married, and I think they fake divorced. So I don't, I don't, I don't yeah, remember. Don't quite know where they are. <laughs> yeah, I don't know where they are. Um, all right. Well, that was a, another another interesting two episodes, but I'm I'm exciting to see what comes next. I feel like we're kind of we're we're back in the Outer Banks. We've got some interesting happenings with the cross. So um, I I can't help but notice how funny it is to have the cross be in the Outer Banks travel all the way to Guadalupe just to go back to the Outer Banks. It's a little, it's a little funny. It's a little convenient. I hope, I hope they're packing it well. Yes. Very, <laughs> very convenient that the timeline of how long the kids were on the deserted island is also the exact timeline of how long Ward was in a coma. <laughs> it's really convenient. Yes. Perhaps he sensed a, a movement in the force when they, when they yes. uh, got off Perhaps. the island. Mm. Perhaps. All right. Yeah, All so right. I think a lot of a lot of table setting in these two episodes. I mm-hmm. didn't mind them, but I I felt like okay, we're getting a whole lot of pieces in the right place, and then hopefully we're we're going to go back to our breakneck speed to come. I think so. 
All right. Well, everyone, thanks for listening and consider becoming a Post Show Recaps patron if you enjoyed the content provided today. Get access to early access to podcasts as well as patron-exclusive podcasts. Any level gets you access to the patron-only Discord, and there's a lot of fun conversations there. Merch is also available at higher levels, and if you are uh, just interested in merch, you can also head over to the postshowrecaps.com store as well. Um, and if you would like to become a patron, sign up at patreon.com slash postshowrecaps or postshowrecaps.com slash patreon. Um, and uh, as well, uh, you know, if you would like to follow Sarah or myself, you can do that as well. Sarah, what sort of uh, things do you have going on and where can people find you? Well, people, people can find me if they want to at uh, Sarah Carradine on Twitter. I host a weekly true crime review podcast called Crime Scene, S-E-E-N, on RHAP, reality TV wrap-ups. I'm writing about Australian Survivor, Heroes versus Villains, every week in Inside Survivor. And on silent podcasts, I'm talking all things Taskmaster Australia. And um, what about you, Mary? You can follow me everywhere at Frail Mary to keep up with my very various podcasts and other adventures. Sensible um, adventures with laced up sensible, shoes. Sensible adventures. Yes, I'm uh, currently trying to um, <laughs> rework my my personal website that I've converted into a running blog. So if you're interested in sensible adventures that uh, come prepared with things like, like you said, laced up shoes, uh, spare jackets, <laughs> and running fuel. Um, you can uh, you can follow me follow, follow me on uh, on Twitter for info about that because uh, the website's not complete yet. But I'll let you know when that comes out. So just just yeah, you have to follow me to stay updated on these things. All right. Until next time. Until death. Step into the world of power loyalty and luck i'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse with family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.